and welcome to Tape Heads. I'm Sean. And I'm Lindsay. Tape Heads is the podcast where we select a VHS from either my collection or Lindsay's collection. We watch it and then we talk about it. Lindsay, what did we watch this time? We watched the 1990 Tremors. Yes, this is from my collection. Um, For those of you that have not seen Tremors, stop this podcast immediately and go watch Tremors. It's best described as a western monster movie set in a little town in the Sierra Mountains called Perfection, Nevada. I also want to clarify, Sean says this is from his collection, but I also grew up with this movie. And I'm not a western fan or really a monster movie fan, but I did have a deep, deep love for this movie in my childhood. I think a lot of people really embraced this movie in the 90s from all walks of life. I don't think you really have to be a monster movie fan. I actually consider it a comedy more than anything else, even though... That's what I remembered Yeah, I think a big part of it is, as you're a kid, you play Don't Touch the Ground. You know, the ground is hot lava. And when you're on the playground, you use your imagination this way. And that's actually how this movie came about. The writer, S.S. Wilson, found himself uh, standing on a rock out in the desert, and he thought to himself, he might have even been in the armed forces at this time, but he just sort of thought to himself, what would it be like if I had to stand on this rock because I was avoiding some sort of creature? And that's Mm -hmm. how uh, Tremors was born. And it's one of those movies also that really found its popularity through home video. I first discovered this movie because my cousins, I was very young at the time, but my cousins in Auburn recommended that my family see this movie. It really seemed like the kind of movie that we would like. And this is in the era of the mom-and-pop video rental stores, and I have Mm -hmm. so many fond memories. We had so many in Visalia. We had Oasis, Popcorn Video, Video Zone. That was the one where there were were different rooms for each genre, and there was like an animatronic display. (laughs) Like, if you go... I would always make a beeline for the horror movie section, and I remember that the horror movie room of Video Zone, I remember that it had this animatronic corpse rising from a coffin. This shows you the excess of the video (laughs) rental store era. Like, they really thought they weren't going anywhere, so it's like, let's blow a lot of money on these animatronic monsters. And the action section had like a full-scale Indiana Jones hanging from a rope and like animatronic snakes like biting at his boot heels. I also remember that grocery stores like Albertsons and Long's would have their video rental sections and I remember we would just constantly like on rotation we would rent this uh, Tremors and Arachnophobia. It's so funny that you point out that the Albertsons and stuff, different grocery stores would have those. Because when you were talking about rental stores, I was thinking, where did we rent videos? It was always the Blockbuster, but I was vaguely remembering, I think one of the grocery stores in town had video rentals, which now seems really weird. Well, I think it's been replaced with like a red box. The red box, yeah, that's I mean, true. now you can go to any Safeway or its equivalent and you'll probably find a red box. That's very true. We rarely went to Blockbuster as kids. We would always go to one of the mom and pop stores. They'd always have the best deals. And we were never really interested in new releases. I think that was another thing was that we would always do the, you know, the three movies, three nights, three dollars. And it would be like horror movies or sci-fi movies or action movies from like the early 90s. And Tremors is kind of perfect for me at this age because it was PG-13. The comedy in it is just very... It sort of appeals to everyone. It's a, It's mm. got a little something for everybody in it. Yeah, my mom was the one that introduced it to my brother and I. That and Willow. She's a big fan of fantasy and sci-fi movies. What were, some of the, what were some of the video stores that you had in Galt or video rental stores? Zero. 
None. So it was a big deal going to the blockbuster in the next town over because we also did not have a movie theater in my hometown. Really? Yeah, there was no movie theater. So it was like a treat when we would go out to the next town over. We'd either go to the archaic. It smelled bad. They didn't quite have the AC working very well. That movie theater in that town. They eventually got a new movie theater, but that and was like and the, the name big of treat. The t- and the name of the town is? Lodi. California. Oh, that what? I thought Lodi... Lodi. I thought Lodi was a classy place. They got their wine. They no. got their... No? <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh. But anyway, they but they did finally upgrade and they got a new movie theater. But the one that used to be there... Oh, God, I remember I hated the seats, too. But the blockbuster in Lodi that we'd go to... I remember it was always such a treat because my brother and I would always get to pick out a video game to rent, too. Oh, you're those kids. You yep. rent the video games. Yep, rent the movies. And I remember just pouring over the movies. And then sometimes my mom would let us pick out the blockbuster popcorn oh. near, the, near the cashier. Eventually we became a blockbuster family when yeah. all the mom and pop stores were driven out of town. We and were never a Hollywood video family. I my don't think went, I ever set foot in a Hollywood video. We went in one time. My mom was going to sign up because she had gotten kind of annoyed with Blockbuster. And then they insisted. They're a really annoying place. Yeah. And they insisted. Hollywood and Video insisted when she signed up that, that she had to give them her social security number. And she walked out because she said, I'm not giving you my social security number. Why do I have to do Why? this? That... Apparently they wanted to take over her identity. I don't know. Luckily, if you happen to live in the San Francisco area, this is a little plug for one of my places, a completely <laughs> uh, completely unsolicited advertisement, but uh, there's a little place called Lay Video mm-hmm. that I still go to to this very day, and it's all DVDs. I guess you can find some VHS there. It's all DVD yeah. and Blu-ray, and it used to take up this entire two-floor building mm-hmm. on 9th Avenue between Irving and Lincoln, and it was just amazing. I mean, it's still, it's still great. I'll I'll get to that, but everything, every movie that you could ever think of, categorized by director, by genre, by all kinds of different foreign films, films that are out of print, like you could find Sam Raimi's old short films on Mm -hmm. VHS. Unfortunately, it's very troubling times for the video rental store model, (laughs) but they entered a pact with Green Apple Books, which is another amazing place in the Bay Area, and... Lay Video is able to move upstairs. They've sort of shrunk down their collection mm-hmm. to these uh, plastic sleeves, but it's still all the great movies are there. Their selection is huge. I was kind of amazed when I went in. We've so changed the experience of video over time with the advent of like Netflix and they can mail the DVDs to your house. That was such a big deal. And then now with just digital subscriptions to anything, Hulu, Netflix, Amazon Prime, they got all these different selections and it's just, I don't know, I'm so nostalgic. And I guess this is the nostalgia podcast, but when I think back of going into the blockbuster video and picking out a movie and occasionally my mom would say no because I picked a movie that was too adult, (laughs) that sort of thing. Like, you know, you, you don't quite have that experience anymore and it was such a treat. I'd get so excited when we'd go. Yeah, you know, that reminds me, I, I definitely agree. I'm I'm very much in favor of physical media, and I will, I, I cry imaginary tears <laughs> for the current generation that won't have the adventure of going into 
a video rental store and browsing, just looking at movies and discovering, yeah. a, you know, cover art. Like, the cover art of Tremors is so interesting. It doesn't even have mm -hmm. the real creature that's in it. It's this weird tentacle monster with shark teeth on the cover, which yeah. is not what the monster looks like in the film. But that box and that cover art just captured my imagination as a young kid. Well, and it's just so funny because I can think of so many times in college and even recently where I'd sit there with friends and we'd be going through the Netflix queue and checking out like what what all the new stuff is too and we could never settle on anything because we had too many choices or if you take the effort to go out to the video store you're not going to leave that video store without something right yeah and they're still out there, there there's video rental stores in austin and mm -hmm. san francisco and little pockets of of dreamers who are clinging to the dream like Actually, play video and we did just get back from a road trip where in oregon we went through a really little town and not really little I guess to us it's little, but it was Florence, I think it was, along oh, yeah. the Oregon coast. And they had a video store that had just closed and they had this sign that said, uh, we're now closed. Thanks, Florence. But <laughs> I think that's probably not the challenge they meant it in, but it was just kind of one of those things of, man, they're all just leaving, aren't they? Thanks, Florence. Thanks for the memories. I, I could talk about video stores forever. I'm sure there will be other episodes where we can continue this conversation, but we got a schedule to keep. There was one trailer before the feature on Tremors, which brings my score to, I think, two advertisements <laughs> compared to Lindsay's uh, 27. That's because I picked Chad, Disney. Chad <laughs> had one episode on the show and he's whooping me on the unofficial trailer competition, but there is an ad for Sam Raimi's Darkman. Did you ever see this? No. I've seen Sam Raimi's other stuff. Yeah, Sam Raimi, of course, of Evil Dead fame, mm -hmm. later on did the Spider-Man films and more mainstream fare. Yeah. This was almost like a precursor to Spider-Man where he wanted to do a comic book movie but he didn't really feel like adapting someone else's work so he just kind of made up his own superhero. Sam Raimi of course would go on to do the Spider-Man movies and they would kind of retain some of his little touches like hyperkinetic camera movement and the crazy camera angles and the mm -hmm. kind of cartoonish violence. But A little bit of camp. A little bit of camp, camp but Darkman is all that and you can just <laughs> you can see it just from the trailer. Liam Neeson plays this scientist who for some reason is murdered by the mob. The, the details are kind of sketchy for me. Francis McDormand plays his his girlfriend. It's a great and cast. It it's a like. great cast. I sort of forget who play the villains, but there's some great character actors in there. And he's sort of a Phantom of the Opera type character. He has these Mission Impossible style masks <laughs> that he puts on to kind of get revenge for the people that tried to kill him while also trying to protect his, his girlfriend and it's a fun movie and it's a fun yeah. trailer. Looks like it's probably a good follow-up to The Saint. Oh, yeah. It is It is kind of Saint-like, but even crazier. I mean, I remember Darkman just being off the wall and just filled with these eye-popping kind of special effects. And Liam Neeson is just let off the leash, I remember. He's just going nuts. It's a fun movie. You should check it out. Now, time for Tremors. Tremors isn't really your typical monster movie. They've got a little, a few different trappings, like it's in this sort of old west abandoned town that's not really abandoned, but no one really wants to live there. They've got a really small population of people. I think you meet everyone that lives there through the course of the movie. It's called Perfection because it's very far from that. It's a very ironic town name. 
And you've got two guys that are just, they, they're kind of like jacks of all trades, just getting by, and they're the ones that sort of discover these monsters. At first, they think there are just murders going around the town. There, there's somebody killing everyone off, although I guess they didn't really notice the flock of murdered sheep. They end up working with the other townsfolk to defeat these monsters that just want to eat everyone alive. Our heroes are these sort of country handymen, Val and Earl, and they're played to the hilt by <laughs> Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward. Who really have great chemistry. They have outstanding chemistry. And that's and we'll get into this later, but there's a lot of sequels and there's a TV series and different direct-to-video things, but because it never restored that, chem because Kevin Bacon didn't participate, never quite retained that buddy comedy feeling of this original film. Mm -hmm. We also have a lady scientist who's visiting and happens to know everything about the vibrations in the ground, so she's key to sort of resolve and solving this uh, worm conflict. But it's kind of funny because she's the romantic interest for Kevin Bacon, but I felt like he definitely had more chemistry with Ed Ward. <laughs> Fred Ward. I, I think that really what sets this apart from other monster movies, because you might be asking yourself, oh, it's a movie about underground worms. How can this really be that great? And I think what really sets it apart and makes it so memorable so many years later, over 20 years later, is this cast and these characters. I mean, it's such an eclectic, diverse cast. Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward, of course, have fantastic chemistry uh finn carter as the sexy grad student who wants to be a seismologist <laughs> my favorites of course are the survivalist couple played by reba mcintyre and michael gross they're great they're so great they really add a lot of levity to the movie but they make it plausible that they can fight off these giant everything eating worms I feel like in a lesser movie, these characters would just be an excuse for an arsenal. Like, they just kind of get killed off, and then our heroes would stumble upon all the guns and use them to kill the monsters. Mm -hmm. But these are some of the best characters in the movie, and they have so many great lines. And... Yeah, they're hilarious. They're also, it's also plausible. Like, you can totally see a crazy survivalist couple moving out into this totally nothing town. As a sign of the times, they have a free Afghanistan bumper sticker on the back <laughs> of their GMC Jimmy. I don't think that they would have that bumper sticker today, but... Uh... Combined with the license plate, Uzi for you. This is Reba McIntyre's acting debut. Film debut. Maybe she was on TV. Yeah, she might have been on TV. But I yeah, definitely no definitely feature film debut. It's it's great. You pointed out that she's able to keep sort of her lovable country sweetheart image while still being a gun nut. Yeah. And it's amazing how she's able to walk that line. I mean, this movie's all about kind of keeping a balance between comedy and, while preserving the threat, like the very real mm -hmm. threat of these monsters. And what's fun is that she, yeah, she's just so lovable while being a believable hard ass. Like, you totally believe that she is going to rip them apart. Some of the other characters include uh, Victor Wong, who's a great Asian-American character actor. Beloved by me <laughs> for his role in the Three Ninjas movies as the grandpa. And one of both of our favorites. Yeah, we love this movie. Big Trouble in Little China, which absolutely will be on the show at some point. Yeah, Victor Wong plays Walter Chang, who owns the General Star 
store and is actually responsible for kind of naming and commercializing these monsters. <laughs> Graboids is what they're called, which is the name that he comes up with. He's very shrewd. He knows how to manipulate his audience. You've got Melvin, the little shit who's in town, <laughs> who is always playing practical jokes. Kind of the boy who cried wolf in this whole scenario. <laughs> Look how they just kind of casually use him to draw the uh, worms, too, right? Don't they tell him to run out there so he can cause some ground vibrations and distract the worms? I think they're being sarcastic. Well, half sarcastic. Every, half sarcastic. His situation is so odd because he seems like a runaway or an orphan. He's not 18. He's, He's definitely a minor. He's living in a shed. He's living in this little shed in the middle of nowhere. Everyone just kind of accepts it. It's... But he has no parental guardian whatsoever. Yeah, the, the film doesn't really explain a lot of things about these characters, but they're so vibrant it works. I mean, the real star of the show here is, like you mentioned, the chemistry between Val and Earl. Mm-hmm. They're just so much fun from the moment that you meet them. They have this kind of profane buddy speak. It's a PG-13 movie, but they're constantly <laughs> calling each other jerk-off and, <laughs> and just constantly swearing to one another. And they have this running gag where they play rock, paper, scissors to decide who's going to do the uh, the job that no one wants to do. Like Except Kevin Bacon slash Val almost always loses. Almost always loses. I think three out of four times he loses. And I think that that's, that's the key to what makes Tremors work is, yeah, you've got this high concept monster, but it wouldn't work unless you really cared about these characters. You're really afraid of what happens to even the minor characters in this movie. Mm-hmm. The movie is just so good-spirited. It's not this mean-spirited thing where, like, the baby is being sucked underground. Like, I think this if this movie was made today, it would be so cynical, and it would just go for the most mean-spirited humor. I feel a lot gorier, although it, it's already kind of gory. I was surprised by some of the gore, just because I didn't remember it being that way, since I, rem- I remembered it for being a comedy. Even though it's not totally a true comedy. I think all the greatest horror comedies, I think the key to doing it right, like, I keep bringing up Scream... <laughs> R.I.P. Wes Craven, you're in our hearts. Um, I, you know, just just like a movie like Scream, the the key to making a horror comedy work is the horror is real and the comedy is real, and uh, never the twain shall meet. You have your moments of levity, but when the when the monster or the slasher strikes, it's serious business, and you realize that these characters that you've come to love are in serious danger. Yeah, there's a scene where the there's a doctor and his wife that get attacked, and this is where the, the horror part really came through. There's a part where the worm pops up, and I actually jumped when we were watching it. It's the doctor and his wife, and the doctor is sucked underground. It seems like it's almost quicksand. This movie does a yeah. really good job of slowly revealing the creatures, kind of like Jaws. Mm-hmm. and Builds the suspense a little bit. She's trying to dig up her husband, and this is one of those moments that just is not funny. It's just all of a sudden the horror is very real. Yeah. She's trying to dig up her husband, and instead of finding her husband, this snake creature pops out, and you <laughs> totally jumped. God, and then she runs for it. She gets in the car. She's trying to get away. The car ends up being swallowed by the earth. Like, this movie goes there. This movie establishes rules and keeps to those rules. You're not safe in a car because a car can be sucked underground. These things are strong. The the Graboids have these snake-like tongues that hook onto things mm-hmm. and can pull them underground. You're only safe on solid rock. Yeah. And even then, you better be pretty high up that rock because, as Fred Ward says, they have a good six-foot reach. 
It does pull a few punches, though. Like, they our, our two lovely men are riding horses trying <laughs> to go get help because the roads have been blocked. And their horses get spooked and end up running off and being eaten. Fred Ward and Kevin Bacon have to run for it. They jump into a... What is it? Like, some kind of... Um, water tunnel it's thing it's very convenient that that's there it's incredibly convenient they jump into it and the monster kills itself by running into the thick cement which makes the, like at, when i saw that i do remember feeling kind of like well that seems too easy although they make it harder later there are some convenient things in there there's also the famous pole jumping scene oh, where <laughs> they're on a series of boulders rhonda the grad student has parked her truck on the other side of the series of boulders they happen to find these cylindrical pole vaulting <laughs> sticks that are, really could only be used for that purpose. I guess they're left over by a construction site, but they're able to pole vault from boulder to boulder mm-hmm. to boulder. Suddenly gets... they know how. Yeah, I mean, you have that moment where Earl kind of falls on his ass on his first try, but yeah. they're professional pole vaulters in no time. <laughs> but I think that only adds to the charm of this movie, and there's a great sort of country-western soundtrack with mm-hmm. harmonicas and guitars, and it's Talk just... Talk of Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, it's it's just a fun country bumpkin monster comedy. <laughs> it's also nice to see two women in it that were pretty strong characters, and they oh, really were strong. taking care of themselves. Like they, they actually genuinely assisted with solving some of the different problems instead of being there to be preyed upon, which is what you usually see in a monster movie. And I love that Rhonda as the scientist they don't push too hard on that. Like they keep they keep sort of calling bullshit on that because they keep referring to her. And she's a seismologist. She's not a biologist. And she keeps saying like, "Why are you asking me? I mean, I'm I'm I don't know anything about these creatures." And that's another great thing about the movie is they never really establish where these creatures come from. They're just there, and now we got to deal with them. I think that the sequels kind of cover all that. But in in the case of this, there's these giant worms. There's four of them. And we have to use a combination of homemade dynamite, (laughs) uh, the Gummer's arsenal, and just a little good old-fashioned American know-how to vanquish these graboids. I do like how the survivalists they address by Michael Gross, he gets so angry about these worms because he's prepared for every single possible (laughs) world-ending situation except for underground monsters because he's not safe in his own bunker. Yeah, there's a... I'm not going to attempt to redo the quote because he does it so perfectly, but he's listing off all these things that he has, you know, like a bomb shelter, water filtration, then he kind of looks off into the desert and he says, God. Goddamn underground monsters. <laughs> the one thing that he was not prepared for. Yeah, I think that's just the winningest part of the film, where just all the characters and all their sharp one-liners and banter, like, that's what really made me love and remember this movie. I'm sure it's inevitably going to be remade, just like every oh, horror God. movie under the sun, and it's not going to work. They're gonna screw it up because there's just no topping a charismatic cast. I mean, that's what yeah. makes this movie work and let's talk about these monsters i mean it's 
all animatronic, all puppetry and miniatures, and they're entirely believable. There's mm-hmm. not an, a drop of CGI in this thing. Yeah. Didn't we read, we were looking at the IMDb trivia doing some research, and they were saying that originally the monsters looked a little too phallic. Uh, yeah, it was sort of an... <laughs> uh, they, they worked on that design a little bit. Mm-hmm. I really like the slow reveal of these monsters. At first you think they're tongues, that's the entire creature, these kind of snake-like tongues that come out mm-hmm. of the Graboids. Because it's a completely made-up monster, this is one thing that it sort of has an advantage over Jaws in, is that because it's a completely made-up monster, you're not really comparing it to the real thing. Like, mm-hmm. I know people love to say that they think the animatronic shark in Jaws is not very realistic. I think it looks pretty good, but... Probably. Timing. There's nothing really to compare it to, and I think it yeah. looks great. It has sort of this stag beetle mouth that mm-hmm. opens up, and... One of the cool things that they did, too, was actually putting a camera underground so you can yeah. get the worm vision. I I can't overstate what a big part of my childhood this movie Tremors was. I was kind of making my first movies as a six-year-old kid <laughs> around the time that Tremors was really capturing my imagination. My dear, dear longtime friend, Philip, uh, who we will have on the show eventually, I'm sure, Sooner rather than later. Sooner rather than later. Very soon. Before year's end. I remember the the first movies that we ever made were this were series of movies called Attack of the Flesh-Eating Beetles. <laughs> and it was really us just kind of being Burt Gummers. Like, we had all of his toy guns and we would fight this stag beetle monster puppet. We would attach those sparkler fireworks to the ends of like toy rifles and we would just be these two kind of Val and Earl type guys that would fight this one puppet over and over and over again. And even the our effects were kind of strongly influenced by the Tremors movies. We would use those uh, swimming pool diving sticks as dynamite, and we would throw them at the puppet. And then uh, <laughs> for explosions, the Tremors movies have very gravelly explosions because, you know, the dynamite is sucked underground by the graboid, and it, so the explosions would be very dirt-like. Well, we completely copied that, and we would go down to the empty lot at the end of my cul-de-sac, and we'd just get a bunch of, like, loose sand, and whenever there was an explosion we would just throw the sand up into the air and go (laughs) (laughs) and we made like four of those movies hey and there are four tremors movies uh soon to be five. Oh god yeah let's i guess i should talk a little bit about the sequels here i would be remiss in not doing it yeah i do want to know when is the attack of the flesh-eating be- be- beetles going to be released to the public. <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and say never. If there's enough strong public demand, maybe I'll release a clip of one. Maybe at least release it to me, because I need to see this. <laughs> I also vaguely remember Philip getting in trouble, because uh, in the second Attack of the Flesh-Eating Beetles, we kind of started m- picking up some of the bad language from the Tremors movies. Oh. Nothing too bad. I think that he would say, like, those damn beetles or something like that because you know you're a kid you want to talk like the cool swearing characters in this pg-13 monster movie i think that he got a little stern talking to from his mom over that one because starting with attack of the flesh-eating beetles three great beetles of fire there was no longer any swearing in the movie (laughs) it just reminds me of how i wasn't allowed to say crap when i was a kid and my brother made a big fuss about it because they said crap on cartoon network so why couldn't we say it (laughs) so let me talk about some of these sequels here the first sequel i maintain is pretty good it's Mm -hmm. tremors 2 aftershocks came out in 1996 direct to video but i would say 
say it's really strong production value. They lost Kevin Bacon because he's just too big of a star, but they kept Fred Ward. They brought back uh, Michael Gross as Burt Gummer. They lost Reba, which is kind of sad. They explain away in dialogue that, that they divorced or whatever, but it's a fun sequel. They they expand on the mythology. There's some new creatures in there. Mm-hmm. And they also just come up with a lot of ways to kill these monsters. The second movie introduces the concept of using a remote control car that has dynamite on it, which is a brilliant (laughs) idea. So I would recommend checking out the first sequel. These others I'm just going to zip through because you can take them or leave them. 2001 gave us Tremors 3 back to perfection, which they went back to the town and uh, we lost Fred Ward. It's like we lose the top billed actor at each one of these movies, but Michael Gross, for whatever reason, was in all of them. Then after that, they got a little cocky. They decided to have a sci-fi original series, <laughs> which I didn't watch a single episode of, I have to admit. I just was never that interested in seeing it. Concurrently, while doing the fourth Tremors, they, they shot this 13-episode season of a show that actually we were looking at some clips from it and Hank from Breaking Bad, I guess, plays the mayor <laughs> or something. There's there's some Thanks well-known faces. Yeah. It's, it actually sounds like an intriguing idea for a show because it's just Burt Gummer fighting graboids and just different monsters in the town. Mm-hmm. I guess that Perfection Nevada is just a Bermuda Triangle of, of monsters. I just don't see him holding it on his own. Just because the, the first movie works so well because it's such a crazy cast. Yeah, and you lose that with each progressive sequel. I think that the first has the best cast. It's so diverse. It's so crazy. You got Kevin Bacon. And then you kind of lose a little charm with each installment. Mm. The fourth one is one of the craziest ones. Tremors 4, The Legend Begins. This is from 2004. And it's a prequel. It's set in the Old West, kind of Back to the Future 3 style. We have Burt Gummer's ancestor, also played by Michael Gross. What? Fighting these worms in the Old West, and I guess they just didn't bother to tell anybody that they fought these worms because there's no record of this happening. What? Yeah, I'm not buying this. That That's ridiculous. Why does that exist? Oddly, I remember liking it more than three. I think three is kind of the nadir of the series, but it's not too late for the fifth one. Yes, you heard it here first, folks. There's a fifth Tremors yeah. coming out. You only heard it here first because no one's talking about no it. No one's talking about no this. No one cares. I'm very concerned about this new one. Tremors 5 Bloodlines is coming out next month, direct to video or direct to cable, direct to somewhere, anywhere but theaters. One once again, we got Michael Gross playing Burt Gummer, but we also got Jamie Kennedy as his buddy. What? And the thing that concerns me about this is it's the first one in the series that clearly is shot on digital. The monsters are all done with CGI. Bad, bad news. And also, this creative team that has done all of the films up to this point, Ron Underwood, Brent Maddock, S.S. Wilson, they are not involved in this new one in any way, shape, or form. So, Did you watch the Jamie Kennedy experiment? when it was on air absolutely not <laughs> i did <laughs> what, what what was that i honestly don't really remember because i think i blocked it out because it wasn't that good but i think it was supposed to be something like ashton kutcher's prank show oh yeah i know that's what it was and jamie kennedy would dress up as like old men and all that stuff and they'd prank people i, I i'm pretty sure that's what it was and it didn't need to exist well Keep your eyes out at your video rental stores or your iTunes, whatever you kids these days watch movies on, because Tremors 5 is coming, uh, the sequel that nobody asked for. 
So keep your eyes out for that. One last thing that I wanted to say about this movie is that it had an alternate ending. It was actually the original ending of this movie did not have Kevin Bacon and Finn Carter kissing at the end. Rather, it had our buddies driving off and thinking, oh, we should go back. And just kind of turning around implying that Kevin Bacon and Finn Carter will seal the deal. But apparently... (laughs) Test audiences on the Universal lot saw this cut of the movie and they were just yelling out, Kiss her! (laughs) And so they went back, uh, I guess, months later to film this kiss at the end, which is, is, that's the right choice. It is the right choice. This is a B-movie at heart. It's a, it's a, it wears its heart on its sleeve. It's a crowd-pleasing monster movie. You gotta end with them kissing. Although maybe it should have been Val and Earl kissing because... You know, I mean, the alternate ending... I say alternate, but the original ending did emphasize the bromance over the romance. Yeah, yeah. Which is the real love story here, as you said. (laughs) Well, it's that time again. We gotta decide if we're gonna buy it, rent it, or tape over it. Well, I think I've sort of shown my hand on this one. (laughs) This is a buy it, buy it, buy it. I can't stress this enough. It holds up so well. It's one of my favorite monster movies. Well, it might be my favorite monster movie, but might be one of my favorite movies, period. Uh, <laughs> it's just so much fun to, to watch. This is one that I could watch at any time, mm-hmm. any time of year, any time of day. I love me some Tremors. Yeah, I think it's a buy-it for me, too, because I really did love it as a kid, and it really lived up to what I remembered. It still kind of caught me by surprise, made me jump, you know, so it's still got those uh, twists and turns that can get you, and I love it. It's great. Double buy-it. That's a first time on Tape Hits. Oh, you're right. We've always done buy-it and rent it, or we've done it. Have we done a double tape over it? I know what you did last summer as a double tape over it. I blocked that one out, too. Well, that's great. I I think that Tremors is the perfect movie to to be the first to get the coveted double buy it. (laughs) You're gonna put that on the uh, VHS sleeve of the VHS reissue of Tremors that Uh will not be happening. (laughs) (laughs) So we're worming our way back underground (laughs) over to Lindsay's VHS collection next time. Uh, What are we doing? We will be watching Death Becomes Her, the classic movie that movie reviewers love to mention when they talk about how great Meryl Streep is and they want to point out that she did have one miss, which it's not a miss, guys. You know, it's so weird that you mentioned that before about Death Becomes Her. I don't remember it being so aboard. I think it's in hindsight. I think it's one of those things like uh, episode one of Star Wars and Jar Jar Binks. People didn't really mind Jar Jar at the time, but in hindsight. I'll admit that I, as a little (laughs) kid, I loved Jar Jar. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, I think it's it's a fun movie, and I loved it when I was growing up, so we're going to watch it. We will find out if it holds up and it's a perfect sort of teaser for October. <laughs> it's a little bit, it's almost spooky. It's kind of like, you know, September is kind of just a warm-up for October in general with our picks because Tremors is almost a horror movie, Death Becomes Her is almost a horror movie, and when we get to October, you know we love our <laughs> Halloween spooks over here at Tapehead, so. Yeah, we've already planned out what we're going to be watching, and you guys are going to enjoy it. <laughs> yes, we have some surprises in store for October. 
I'd like to thank Will Price, as always, for use of his wonderful theme, Mandatory Groove. You can find more of Will's music at soundcloud.com slash gargantulon. Lindsay, what can people do to help tapeheads further its cause of VHS <laughs> resurrection? You guys can go on iTunes and give us a rating, give us a review. You can tell your friends about it, do a little sharing. You can check out our blog and hit like. That's at tapeheadspodcast.com. So that'll do it for Tapeheads. I've been Sean. And I've been Lindsay. Until next time. 